Welcome to Lift, a parenting podcast where we ask the questions about family and faith. Parenting takes a lot of heavy lifting, both in physical, emotional, and spiritual ways. Let's face it, raising a family is hard work. Some of us are doing it as a single parent. Some of us are working with a spouse, but all of us have questions every day. Are we screwing up our kids, our marriage, our relationships? This podcast is going to ask questions that can guide each of us to finding our rhythm and creating a space for God in our home. Don't forget to send us in your questions on our website. Today, we have brought in Liz Snodgrass, who is first and foremost a church member, and I've known you about, what, seven years since I've been here, right? Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I will. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So I am Liz Zach Snodgrass. I am licensed clinical psychologist by day (laughs) and wife, mom, Plano neighbor, St. Andrew church member by night. Um, I actually will be married 20 years um, this May to my husband, Greg. I have two boys, um, both at Renner. One is almost 15 and one is 12. So pray for me. Yeah, I, I got the 13 and 16-year-old. I feel your we pain. We are there together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And in my professional world, I have an alter ego. Um, at work, I'm Dr. Zach. So I say I have multiple identities, um, not multiple personalities. Right. It's okay. important to, That's yes, good. make that distinction. So I am a therapist at Beckloff Pediatric Behavioral Center in Dallas and work primarily with kids, teens, parents, young adults. Sounds like you're in the right place. One thing that um, we had talked about before is one of your approaches to discipline. So can you just kind of talk about your overview about what discipline can be in the home? Absolutely. So, Kim, when families first come in for counseling, I often ask them how they discipline the behaviors maybe that they're concerned about. And it's almost always a form of punishment, some sort of consequences. I hear everything from grounding to spanking to timeouts, taking away privileges. And not that those things are bad, but I think I want folks to understand that we can change the way that we define discipline. Okay. If we if we get all uh, academic, we can really think of discipline coming from the Latin stem disciple, which means student. So when we look at discipline, we're really talking about teaching. And that is what I want parents to understand is when we are needing to discipline our children, it's not necessarily consequences or punishment. The goal really is to teach. Okay. So I'm just going to real quick throw out an example. My kid uh, forgets their folder at home and for a discipline approach versus a consequence approach. Can we talk about that? Sure. So if we're looking at really the goals of discipline, there certainly is a short-term objective of getting the child to do something, begin cooperating, or maybe stop them from doing something. And that is an important short-term goal. Um, That's more external, and that's more in the moment. But if we want them to not forget their homework assignment in the future, 
we really need to look at that teaching piece. And that's where the longer term piece of developing their skills, helping them learn self-control, helping them learn problem solving so that they can handle those kind of situations in the future. So our job as parents is to teach. You know, we I always joke with folks about when we get a new puppy, our first thing we do is we get a trainer to come in and help us mold this little puppy into being a good little lifelong pet. We train them, we work with them, we teach them, but we don't think of that in terms of working with our kiddos, that we still need to be teaching. I always think it's, um, when I work with parents, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Absolutely. And so that's, hopefully this podcast can give Mm -hmm. little nuggets. So if you're looking at, I mean, of course there's going to be times, right? Don't cross the street. Don't touch the hot oven, right? Those are instinctual things that you need to stop in the moment. What are some things that we can talk about when you talk about discipling um, over the long term? The, the thing that we need to think about is discipline doesn't mean not setting limits. Okay? okay, Discipline doesn't mean that kids don't need boundaries and they don't need to learn you know, how to make better choices. I think when there is some kind of misbehavior, we really need to remember that it is a sign that a kid needs help, that they are still learning And it is an opportunity for us as a parent to teach. And so I think sometimes we get so frustrated and we kind of go into this reaction mode as parents. We're human. Something bad happens, we react. Mm -hmm. And if we can begin to think about being more intentional in our parenting approach, Mm -hmm. taking a step back and thinking about Okay, what do I want my child to learn from this misstep? So how do you do that in the moment where you might be emotional? Is it okay to pause? Absolutely. And probably it's critical to pause Uh, as a parent. That needs to be, it could be your first step is to pause so that, again, you're responding versus reacting. So when, when talking about how kids make choices and as they are um, learning, it's important to think about what Dr. Daniel Siegel, who's a neuropsychiatrist, he coined the term whole brain child. And really it's understanding that a child's brain is changing and changeable even into the mid-20s. So in other words, a kiddo's brain isn't fully formed until the mid-20s. And when we understand more about brain development, I think it can really help parents change their perspective, change their expectations often, and really understand what a child is capable of doing or not doing. Something that, um, so I love brain development. It's one of my little secret Um, knowledge things that I just always crave. But when I was a first grade teacher, I would know that physically on the outside of a kid, I don't see any changes, Mm -hmm. but I know that their brain is changing because of the things that they're learning and different pathways are connecting. And, you know, I just, I think it's important to recognize that. Now, parenting a teenager, 
I can see in their behaviors Mm -hmm. that they don't have a fully developed (laughs) frontal lobe. (laughs) I call it mushy brain syndrome in our family, right? Like, and it's not a negative thing. It just, it is. It just is what it is. Right. It's just our biology. Right. So let's look at different approaches, maybe early childhood. How how can we um, use the whole brain model with a preschooler? Can you give us some examples with that? So when we're looking at how we can be effective, it's important to look at the why of the behavior. And again, it goes back to understanding how their little brains form. We know that the lower regions of the brain, I like to call them the downstairs brain, those are the things that develop first. Those are the basics. That's the digestion, breathing, really all the strong emotions, happy, mad, scared. Those things develop first. The more complex parts of the brain, upstairs brain, um, this only develops with time and experience. Like we were talking about with our teenagers, um, that's a time of major rewiring and development of that upstairs brain. Lord have mercy. That is where the thinking, emotional regulation, planning, flexibility, empathy, morality, all the big stuff happens later. So when we want our three-year-old to understand that maybe she made Sally upset when she took her favorite toy to play date Mm -hmm. and she won't give it back and doesn't see that Sally is upset, she isn't going to understand the concept of empathy as much as maybe a six-year-old would. So to expect her to understand how she made her friend upset is, you know, it's something that um, they don't have the capacity to do. So keeping in mind how the brain develops can really help us with our expectations and, and how we discipline. For the littles, you asked, I think looking at the why, taking a step back, pausing, Looking at the why. I like to teach parents a basic acronym that I think can cover so many problem areas or can be responsible, I should say, for so many problem areas. And acronym is H-A-L-T, HALT. H for hungry. Is my child hungry? A for anxious. Is my child worried, nervous, stressed? L for lonely. Is my child needing my attention? T, biggie for littles, tired. Being tired, as we know as adults, we cannot make the choices that we would if we are refreshed and awake. And same for the littles. When any of these things are going on, their downstairs brain is on overload trying to get them to use their upstairs brain is just not going to happen. We have to get them to a state of calm and manage whatever 
is going on with the why. So when I had littles and playdates, um, playdates sometimes were wonderful times in my life where I got to interact with adults. But sometimes the playdates caused me as a mama so much anxiety because of the right not sharing of the mm-hmm. toys or mm-hmm. it's time to go mm-hmm. right. Um, I'm I'm hearing that sometimes those those behaviors that were in my preschooler of screaming or hitting or taking, um, how do you, though, they're not acceptable. How do you then use that halt Mm -hmm. in that situation of, you know, you can't hit Susie or Joey or, you know, Keshav, you, you just, that's not, that's not okay. So if, how do you then take that situation down. So in thinking of strategies to manage some kind of misstep, we really have to go back to the why. And I'm going to give you an example of, I think, something all parents at some point or another deal with is the homework battle. Yes. It doesn't go away when you're a teenager. It doesn't. It does not. It doesn't. But I think, you know, if we can understand what's going on for our kiddo in the situation, it's going to change how we might discipline, how we might approach the situation. So kiddo comes home and whining, whining, whining about their homework and giving you the battle and you're going around and around. So maybe you, as you're going through this, you look in their backpack, you get their lunchbox out. They didn't eat lunch. It might be as simple as giving them a snack, giving them a few minutes to eat, and lo and behold, homework gets completed. Hungry. Maybe um, you come home and you're working on getting that homework done and your kiddos fuss and fuss and fuss and I want to wait for dad. I want to wait for dad. You... Look at that why you pause and you realize, you know what? Dad's been traveling all week and kiddo needs some dad time. Kiddo needs some dad attention. He's feeling lonely. So maybe you don't force the homework in that moment. So maybe you do wait. Maybe your kiddo comes home. They have piano recital. Then they go uh, to a Cub Scout meeting. Then it's time for dinner quick, quick. And now we have to rush, rush, rush for homework. And they're whining. They're tired. So maybe that's one where you give them a little extra help to get that homework knocked out. So again, kind of looking at what is going on can change the way that you might handle the situation. You could easily say, if you don't complete your homework in the next 30 minutes, you'll go to timeout. Lots of folks do that. If you don't complete your homework, I'm taking away your device. Lots of folks do that. The thing that's missing there, though, is the teaching and the looking at What is the goal of handling that situation? What are you wanting your kid to learn? And oftentimes taking away or consequences may not reach the goal that we're hoping to to handle in the long term. Yeah, and that's what I think sometimes in parenting 
what is that quote? The days are long, the mm-hmm. weeks are short, mm-hmm. right? This mm-hmm. is not a sprint. No. This is a marathon that, I mean, I still talk to, I'm 40 <clears throat> years old and I still call my mother. And I'm 50 uh-huh. years old. Yeah. And I do the same. Yeah. And it's just parenting doesn't end. Absolutely. And um, just wrecking, and, and some people in, they might hear that and think, oh, my gosh, it never ends. But it changes and it morphs and it's different. Like, I am actually most of the time enjoying my teenagers. Mm-hmm. Most of the time. Not every day. There are days <laughs> where I do not enjoy them. Right. But it's a different way of parenting, right? Um, so what are some things, what I love that you're saying about is pausing. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes, especially in the society we're in today, we feel like we have to go, 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 do, 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 mm-hmm. do. And change the behavior, change the behavior. Yeah. And I think anytime we're parenting or doing anything mm-hmm. and making decisions in life, from emotions, Mm -hmm. even positive emotions, right? But if you're really angry or really happy, that's not a time to make a decision, right? Absolutely not. It's time to pause. Mm -hmm. So one thing you've talked to me about um, in some of the strategies is like uh, connecting with your kids to redirect. Can you tell me more about that? Absolutely. So after we are pausing and looking at the why... Mm -hmm. Really, the next most important, most critical thing we can do is to connect. The relationship that you have with your kiddo is the first priority, even when there's misbehavior. We want them to learn that even if they've done something wrong, we are still there for them. Connecting helps them calm and helps them begin to use their upstairs brain. That initial connection helps them move from a place of crazy reactivity to receptivity. What's that word? Being receptive. So when something is big and big emotions are going on and their lower brain is in control, they are not going to be receptive to any kind of communication, even if it is you know, you have the most profound words and wisdom to share at that moment. It is not the time. We have to connect to first get calm. It helps build the brain, that moment of connection. It helps build the relationship with you and your kiddo. You know, there there are some, some basic ways that we connect. We connect, you and I were giggling about nonverbal communication and giving, you know, eye contact. Um, We can connect with a kid even when they're out of control with just some, you know, gentle reassurance, a hug, a touch, a rub on the back. We can get down to their level. You know, a lot of times when kids are feeling out of control, especially our littles, And we get mama bear comes in and, you know, and kids respond in fear. And that's not letting them use their upstairs brain. So we want to come in in a calm, reassuring way, in a loving, intentional way, and maybe even verbally give them, you know, a kind, you know, you're feeling very disappointed right now. 
that we can't stay at your friend's house any longer, that we can't go do the thing that you're wanting. We reflect their feelings. They're hearing that you are understanding their feelings. They are being heard. They are being understood. Is it true? I've heard this and I don't, you're much smarter than me. (laughs) Is it true that at that toddler kind of early elementary stage, they can only feel one emotion at a time? Like, for example, if you're at a birthday party and you're having fun Mm -hmm. and you're so happy, but then you drop your ice cream Mm -hmm. cone and then immediately Mm -hmm. you're so sad. Mm -hmm. Is that truth? You know, that it's part of that downstairs brain that is just so dysregulated and big feelings. So big feelings of happy that then can immediately switch to big feelings of sadness and, you know, very black and white. And that's part of that primitive brain that just has not developed yet. And part of our role as parents is to kind of be their external upstairs brain while we're helping them. We may have to model for them. We may have to give them some words to help them start to understand how they can use their upstairs brain and self-regulate. Okay. So you've used the halt, you've used connecting, um, but we do need some redirection typically in behaviors. So how do do we do that? We do. So when we are after we have connected, right? So after we know that they're calm, they're receptive, you are calm, right. and re- it, that is key. That is key. I, I tell parents all the time, you know, sometimes you have to turn the volume down on your own internal screaming that's going on so that you can really consider how you are going to redirect. What lesson do I want my child to learn? Timing is key because, number one, we want the child to be receptive. Number two, you have to be ready and calm and be intentional. If the child is still upset, you may have to wait on the redirection, the learning piece. You may have to wait 10 minutes. That's okay. You may have to wait an hour. That's okay. Even our littles, three-year-olds, are capable of remembering what happened the day before. So if it's a nighttime battle and there's a lot of tantruming, trying to redirect in that moment and trying to teach those lessons may not happen that night. It may have to happen the next day, and that's okay. The how is important. We tend to over talk. <laughs> I do that just in general in my life. We all do it. I do it in my counseling with families. We tend to want to impart our knowledge, right? right? right. And it comes from a good place. Yes. But kiddos' brains cannot be receptive to all the lecturing. They don't have the capacity. And so we need to learn how to use less talk and more empathy. 
reducing your words to get the main point main point across. So let's say we're on the computer or on the telephone mm-hmm. and our two-year-old which is always when they do whatever you're is always you fill in the blank. Yeah. Okay. Our two-year-old is yelling, "Mommy! Mommy!" You continue working or continue talking and the Mommies are getting louder and louder, and you may give the hand signal or the just a second, and the two-year-old ultimately comes and bites you on the leg. Okay. We've all been there in some form or fashion. Okay. So we look at the why. It's wanting attention. So first and foremost, we address their feelings and connect. You can give a simple statement. You're really angry since I wasn't listening. So you bit me to get my attention. Okay, that's your connection. The redirection. We have to address the behavior. You say simply, biting hurts. We need to provide alternatives. Next time, what could you do to get mommy's attention without biting? Some mom gave me this wonderful tidbit when my kids were little that they would put their hand like on my arm or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I would respond with putting my hand on top of theirs. And that just meant, I know you're there. Just give me a second. Perfect. You know, and it it didn't always work. Right. right? But it it helped those two, three, four year old tantrums a little bit. Absolutely. That's the providing alternatives. How about if. You really need mommy. You put your hand on mine. I'll put my hand on yours, and that will be our signal. Right. And and that's the, you know, for next time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing is you move on. You move on. You say, okay, you know, let's go play. Let's go do something else now, especially with our littles. I think it wouldn't be unheard of for you to say, okay, you bit me. You're in timeout now. But again, what are we teaching? What's the lesson? It's gaining short-term cooperation, but they're not learning the bigger lesson of, you know, biting hurts. That's a piece of empathy. We don't bite when we're angry. You're not learning about the feelings. You are feeling frustrated. So all of that is part of that redirection. It's not about just punishing. If that makes sense. No, I love that. And that's why I wanted to bring you in because I do think there there's like movements and sometimes they're on either direction of the spectrum, right? The punishing family, right? Direct mm-hmm. consequences, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I think mm-hmm. kind of drill sergeant mm-hmm. kind of families. Authoritarian. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. And it th- that isn't bad, but alone I I think anything just in general in my life, if I'm doing the same thing again and again mm-hmm. and again, and I'm not seeing, exactly. you know, benefits from it, it's not working. Right. 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 And then there's the other end of the spectrum of the, what's the term, uh, the field parenting, the, right? Where you just, just let them do. And, and that's not helpful either. And not I feel like this approach can help parents, um, kind of redirect how they run their daily lives. They can recognize they don't have to respond immediately. They can recognize that some of their kids' behaviors are just because that's how their brain works. That's where they are Mm -hmm. developmentally. Yeah. And then um, that 
pausing is huge. And personally, um, the first time we talked about this, the fact that you use the word disciple, mm. you know, I got to bring a little faith into of this. Of course. It's but um, I mean, Jesus started with a group of 12 mm. to teach, mm-hmm. to show, mm-hmm. to experience. And in a way, that's what we're doing in our families is that we're teaching our kids how to be humans how to yeah we are we are truly sculpting their brains right right and i just think if that sounds so big but if you can just breathe Mm -hmm. and recognize that tomorrow's a new day Mm -hmm. right if you screwed up today as a parent guess what so did i you know and we can all but recognizing that with your kid and admitting that Is a part of this. Is a part of this. Of it's just that social learning. Yeah, I got really angry when you mm. bit me, and I shouldn't have blank, but I did because you hurt me. We you said know? brains are changing and changeable, and that means you know we're going to make mistakes, yeah. but thankfully their little brains are still changing, and that's a lesson, an important lesson that we can screw up. Parents screw up too, right. but we can make it right. We come back and acknowledge that, you know, I may not have handled that the right way and give ourselves some grace. Yeah. That's some of the biggest moments we've had Um, recently. I don't think my son's going to mind sharing this, but uh, my son just started driving. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other podcast. Mm -hmm. And um, in our family, for you to drive a car, you will pay for your own gas Mm -hmm. and you're going to help mom and dad with insurance, which means you need a job. Yes, And we had set a timeline for that, and we thought we were being very clear, but we really weren't. Dan and I were clear in our heads, and so the day came to take the keys away, and he looked at us, like, with ultimate shock and surprise. Like, I didn't think this was was really really happening, right? And so we took the keys away, and he went upstairs, and I just looked at Dan, and I said, that didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. That that didn't feel fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you know, had a good talk, said, I don't think we were fair tonight. Your keys are back. That's right. But let's, here are the new, you know, timeline. Right. And this is something that Limits. we're very clear they? on, you know. And now, if, when, hopefully not, that he approaches the new timeline, he knows for a fact what our expectations are. And that feels better. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It's, again, just, you know, rethinking how we handle misbehavior or how we handle some of these different challenges. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, the natural consequence. And, you know, I'll give you a, a kiddo story. My youngest, who tends to be, you know, rule follower, like mm-hmm. very much at, yep. at school, there is no misbehavior. And just into last semester, I got an email from a teacher that he was serving a lunch detention, which was very shocking to me. I right. could not believe my little guy who is just very much a rule follower. So he had to serve a lunch detention. He comes home and I just ask him about it, right? It's not walk in the door and scream. Uh, you know, it's yeah. not you're grounded. It's let's have a conversation. And tears, 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 embarrassment, embarrassment, embarrassment. What 
had happened was, you know, a very, you know, impulsive kind of decision, nothing too horrible. But in that conversation, I realized we, we don't need another punishment. The punishment of having to serve a lunch detention and being talked to by his teacher and feeling so guilty. And, you know, that's the lesson, right? Mm -hmm. That's the letting him kind of hold on to some of that guilt is the consequence. There would be no reason for me then to say, you know, you're, you're grounded from electronics for a week because what message really, what is he learning from that? Right. And I think, right, if you take that example and put it in a different, if it's constantly happening, right, then then that's a different conversation. That's a different conversation. You know, and that's, I think that's what, God, it's what makes parenting so hard is there is no book, right? There's 3,000 books, but there is no book that tells us how to do this. Because it's so much dependent on the situation, the kid's temperament. I have one kiddo who I can give a look to, and that is all it takes. The other one, I have to say things and be in his face and get that eye contact. Different temperaments, ages, situations. It's not easy. It's not. So we end every podcast. I think you've given us a lot of little nuggets that can just help us breathe when we're doing this thing called parenting. Um, I ask every guest If you could pick, so you have to pick parent or child, what's one thing you want them to know about this subject? I will pick parent since that's who I'm kind of focusing on at this Mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. And I would say that it's so important to remember that when kids misbehave, it is just a sign that they are needing some redirection and skill building. Kids definitely need boundaries. They need limits. They need help. And this approach to helping kiddos first by connecting and then redirecting is not to be permissive and allow behaviors, but it's more to help build that relationship. We know that it is critical to build the parent-child relationship, and that is what is going to help them be healthy adults and have positive relationships, you know, in their life in the future. So that would be the thing. Connect with your kiddo. I love that. Because in connection, right, you're vulnerable, you're yes. real, you love deeply, and sometimes you you have anger, right, right. deeply. Absolutely. And all of that is a part of parenting. And sometimes I just, I need to say it again and again and again to our families who feel like they might mess up and they might, yeah, absolutely you're going to mess up. Of course you are. But tomorrow's a new day. That's exactly right. And when you have that relationship with your kiddos, you can start that day fresh. You can start that day fresh. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed visiting with you.